BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, it's Patrick Starr. I'm coming straight to you with my very own podcast. Say yes to the guests. I'll be hanging out with some of my fiercest friends and spilling some serious tea on business, beauty, and being a boss-ass bitch. With me, baby, you'll never know what will happen. Find Yes to the Guests on Apple Podcasts or anywhere where podcasts are played. Start streaming and downloading now. And don't forget to subscribe because every Monday we're going in. We got so much to chat about. So turn it up and say yes to the guests. Yes. 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 Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. It's your host, Olivia Perez. I'm a journalist, interviewer, and the creator of Friend of a Friend, a show where we sit down with some of my friends, your friends, and new friends to host inspiring, but down-to-earth conversations with some of my favorite luminaries who are making a change. I cannot believe that this is the last episode of 2020. I am so grateful to all of you for tuning in every week. It's been the biggest joy of my career so far to be creating these episodes for you guys. So thank you again for your continued support. And I'm so excited for what 2021 has to bring. We're going to be off on January 4th, but we will be back on January 11th with a very special episode that I'm so excited for you guys to listen to. But this week, we have Hilary Scheinbaum, who's a writer who's contributed to publications like New York Times, Marie Claire, New York Magazine, Forbes, and more. And this week, she released her first book, The Dry Challenge, How to Lose the Booze for Dry January, Sober October, and Any Other Alcohol-Free Month. It's an exploration of the incredible life-changing benefits that she experienced while abstaining from alcohol for one whole month. The book, which acts a little bit more like a guidebook or a playbook, provides a comprehensive plan, whether you're thinking of participating in dry January, sober October, or want to choose a time of your own. The book walks you step-by-step through one drink-free month, from making a plan to sharing the news with friends and family, to getting back on track if you slip up. In this episode, Hillary tells us all about her physical, emotional, and financial impacts of taking a month off of alcohol, what we can expect from her first ever book, and her plans for this year's upcoming dry January challenge. I hope you guys love the episode. I'm so excited to hear your thoughts. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet and you find yourself coming back and listening to the episodes, take the time to subscribe. And if you love the show, share it with your friends. I really love seeing when you guys are listening to the episodes on social. So make sure you take a screenshot and tag me when you do. I'm at Liv Perez on Instagram with two B's. Thank you guys so much again for listening. I appreciate you all and happy new year. How's it going? I'm good. How's your week going? Everything's going well? Week's going well. I feel like 
those last couple of weeks of December, like knock the wind out of me every year. It's like, yeah. because I really do this thing that probably is like the most unhealthy thing ever. But like, I try to do as much as I possibly can in December. Cause I'm like, the more you can do, the less you'll think about it over quote unquote break, whatever yeah. we're calling it this year. Like That's like such a real thing. Cause I also feel like I've been seeing that on like Twitter a lot. Like I was like reading a conversation between a few people in media and they were saying the same thing. They were like, just one more thing. I'm just going to take on one more thing. Cause like yep. I want to enjoy my time off. And it's like, why do we do that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I wonder why we do that because like literally come January 4th or whatever day it is, it's like, it's just another day in the office. It feels no different. Yeah. <laughs> You're just going to have to do it. Exactly. We're back at it. Totally. Where are you calling in from right now? So I'm in Rockaway Beach now. Obviously, I was living in Manhattan for 10 years and we just recently gave up our apartment, but we're still local. So we're just like kind of, you know, waiting things out, but it's nice here in the meantime. How are you feeling regarding that? Uh, you know, it's like, it's weird. It's like bittersweet. Like, you know, I've called Manhattan my home for 10 years and it still very much is home, it's like where all of my, my memories are, my friends are, you know, everything. But at the same time, like, I think if there is a time now is a time to consider being somewhere else. So it's like mixed emotions, you know? Totally. I am super excited to be on the phone today because you just came out with a book. It's called The Dry Challenge, How to Lose the Booze for Dry January, Sober October, and Any Other Alcohol-Free Month. So exciting. I'm so excited. It's my first book and I can't wait. I know newly minted author. You went from like, you know, writing for a ton of amazing editorial publications to now writing a book. How does that feel? It feels really good. And it's also been something that I've wanted to do for the majority of my life. So it's this really crazy, like overwhelming feeling of reaching a long-term goal, like a really long-term goal. And at the same time, it's bittersweet because I feel like it's going to go so fast, like it's going to be here and it's going to be really exciting. And then that, you know, initial introduction to the world will be done. So there's a lot of emotions. Can you tell us a little bit about what the dry challenge is? Absolutely. So the dry challenge, it's basically a dry January or sober October, but the beauty of it is you can start anytime. So it can be February, it can be March, it can be the middle of the month. It's really up to you. It's really any booze-free, you know, 29 to 31 day period of time of your choosing. So you wrote a book all about this topic, how to do it, how to survive it, and all of the incredible benefits that actually come with cutting out the booze for a month. There was a moment in it that I loved, and it was all about this night where you learned what it was for the first time. And it was actually a bet that you had between you and a friend. You ended up winning the bet. So I'd love to hear if you could tell our listeners the story of how you first learned about what a dry challenge is. Absolutely. So I'm going to take you back to December of 2016. And just to give you a little bit of background, I've been a journalist for a long time now. And at that very moment in time, my day-to-day life was being a red carpet reporter. So every night around 5 p.m., I'd get ready to go to work. And I'd go to these red carpets and then I'd go to the after parties, which often, you know, top shelf liquor, they greet you with champagne at the door and I'd get home really, really late. And then during the day, I would occupy my time by writing about food and beverage, which also involved cocktails and wine and beer. And then on top of that, living in New York and being social and even just, you know, networking events would typically involve grabbing a drink and other signals. 
So if you put all of those things together and all the social activities that everybody, you know, gets involved in, whether it's birthdays or baby showers or, you know, just having a great Saturday night, you can imagine that alcohol was a big part of just life in New York at that time for me. So now that you have that background, I went to dinner with one of my guy friends and we were talking about New Year's resolutions and the topic of dry January came up. And almost like immediately after he said it, I kind of lost interest and I changed the subject because to me, it was just so off brand and it didn't fit into the lifestyle that I was living at the time. I love that you say off brand. It just, it wouldn't make sense. Like if you have, you know, if you sit here and you're like, I write about liquor and I write about beer and I write about wine and that's like my livelihood to take that away. It's like, okay, so I guess, what do I do? What do I write about? So (laughs) it just seemed very impossible for me. And, you know, a week later, it was New Year's Eve. And with a glass of champagne in my hand, clearly I was a little bit tipsy. I texted him and I initiated a drive at January bet, which he agreed to, thankfully. And uh, long story short, I ended up winning. He lost. And he bought me a very lovely dinner at Momofuku Co. Wow. Was, that was the bet. Yeah. Well, the bet was any restaurant in New York City and nothing was off limits. So Momofuku Co. was the, the choice. and Great choice. Great. Right. I have no regrets. And to this day, you know, he'll, he won't bet me anything ever again. Um, <laughs> That's a sore loser. No. You know what? I think with this book coming out, and he knows this already, the book is actually dedicated to him. His name is Alejandro. And I really appreciate how much of a good sport he was and really how supportive he was. Even after, you know, he lost the bet, he was still, you know, cheering me on. So I really did appreciate that. That's awesome. Okay, so you did 30 days, no alcohol, no hard liquor, none of that. How did you feel afterwards? Incredible. I mean, at the time, and granted, you know, in New York during January, it's super gloomy. It's like gray and cold and like wet and just like not a fun time. And I felt like my mood was so much more elevated. I was had all this energy. I was happier. I was sleeping so well. My skin was glowing as if like it was the middle of summer. It was so crazy. Just all of these amazing benefits were occurring throughout the month. And by the end, I just felt so much different than I had, you know, December 31st to February 1st. I want to hear a little bit about the long-term physical evidence and effects that you felt during this. Reading your book, I was astounded at the research that you brought into it and the comparisons that you drew between, you know, everything from the impacts physically that we have to financially that we can have over a long period of time. I know that you just said, obviously, you were feeling a bit lighter, but can you go into a bit more detail about physically, like what that difference really was like for you? Oh, absolutely. Well, I'll start with sleep because that one was one of the biggest epiphanies that I had. I thought that living in New York, I just had such a crazy schedule. I had so much anxiety. I, you know, was such a busy body that sleeping five hours a night was just like my normal, natural state of slumber. Guys, I promise you, New York is a great, healthy place to live. A hundred percent. But like, 
Absolutely not. Like, I mean, that was probably the biggest lie that I was telling myself because as soon as I had cut out alcohol, maybe it was, you know, a week to a week and a half later, I was sleeping seven to eight hours a night. And for me, that was like a miracle. And it was just because I had cut out alcohol. I didn't change my work schedule. I was still going, you know, staying out late for red carpets and events. I was still super active. I wasn't, you know, doing anything different except that I was not drinking. That was a big one for me. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, even today, I don't, I can't drink red wine because I will not sleep. And I realized that a couple years ago and it was a game changer once I realized it because I would toss and turn, I get night sweats and I have like my food sensitivity is so high. So one day I just realized it. I was like, oh my God, it's the red wine. It's amazing when you actually do come to that revelation of like, wow, this is actually making a big impact in my life. Isn't that incredible? I, I also wanted to bring up because obviously, you know, when you are doing a sober month, there are zero hangovers involved. And I know there's one part of my book that specifically calls out this survey that was done in the UK where they found that the average adult, and mind you, you know, the drinking age starts at 18, but I don't think that makes the biggest difference. But what it is is that the average adult spends nearly two years of their life hungover. Oh my God. And that to me was insane. What are we doing? What are we literally, what are we doing? That's insane. Right? That's insane. You can finish grad school in two years, you know? There was another, you know, part to the evidence that, and, and the realizations that you were coming to, which was the financial impacts of drinking. And I think I literally like put down the book at one point. I have the stat written here. You were talking about the comparison between red wine and early retirement mm-hmm. and the fact that the average person could spend three to $4,000 a year on alcoholic beverages, which by the end of your life could technically add up to an early retirement fund. A hundred percent. I think that it's so interesting and everybody's, you know, personal financial goals are absolutely their own. But when you add up how much money the average person spends on alcohol, it is overwhelming. And, you know, when everybody has their own goals, like if they want to take a vacation or they want to save for a home or they want to save for, for early retirement, it's just astounding how much money goes into alcohol instead of, you know, potential other investments. I think what was really great about reading it was that you aren't asking people to like just completely remove alcohol out of their lives, but understanding the greater implications that it has on your life, actually looking at it and being like, if I am going out and I'm spending three to $4,000 on this, like, what could it mean for me to stop doing that for a month? Like, what could I do with that extra money? How could I put it to use in a different way? And I do think that this book was like most effective in like making us realize that there are other ways to be spending this time in our life. And it, it shouldn't be something that we should be passively participating in forever. Definitely. You said it really well. <laughs> oh, thanks. Okay. So you do the dry January, you become super inspired by it. Yeah. What was the moment that you were like, I need to write a book about this? So that didn't come till much later. And admittedly, because the first year I did it, it was on a whim did not have any plans. Certainly never thought I would write a book about dry January, let alone be talking about it or think about doing it again. But since January, 2017, I've done dry January four times. 
I've done Sober October three times. I've done a few other dry months in between just for fun. I feel like specifically during the first year, because I had no idea what I was doing, I really came across a lot of questions, a lot of things that I personally had to like plan in my head as far as like, you know, scheduling things with my friends that didn't involve alcohol or even going on dates and like how to convey to somebody who I didn't even know and tell them like, hey, I'm not drinking just like for right now. It's not a forever thing. And and really, you know, from strangers even like answering their questions. So over the course of four years, I really just thought a lot about what I experienced firsthand and all the questions that people asked me and like the feedback that I was getting and really just put that all into one place. Here's the thing. It's like when somebody says I'm not drinking and the responses are, are you sick? Are you pregnant? Or are you in recovery? (laughs) All three of those topics are nobody's business in general. So it's like you would never ask somebody that in any given situation if alcohol wasn't presented. But somehow, for some reason, people think that it's like appropriate to ask these questions. I don't know. It's just like, these are things that I never had experienced, I think, until for January. And it really opened my eyes to how like, as a society, we think about alcohol. So the book is really... I love the way that you wrote it because it's obviously part your own testimony, part incredible statistics that will really make you rethink a lot of things in your life, but then also part workbook where you encourage readers to join in on whether it's documenting their own challenge or kind of identifying the things in their life as to, you know, how, where, and why they drink the way they do. What was the most exciting or interesting part about writing the book? I think you know, I feel like all of it was really exciting. I know that's a terrible answer, but I actually really liked dreaming up the little like worksheets and things like that, like putting together a calendar of events because I'm just one of those people who loves to plan things. And so just dreaming up like different activities that didn't involve alcohol, I think was just like a fun exercise for me. Totally. But so today, the day this episode is coming out is December 28th. So January is right around the corner from where all of us are listening to this episode right now. And I'm sure that it is a daunting idea with the new year coming up to jump into this challenge. And especially with COVID and being a little bit more isolated, how do you recommend people approach dry January this year as it will be different than anyone that you've approached in the past few years? You're right. It's definitely going to be different. I would say my number one tip for pandemic dry January is you want to make sure that this is going to be successful for you. And by giving away your alcohol, which might sound absolutely insane, it might be the best way to do it. Of course, you don't have to like pour it down the drain or like give it up for good. But my suggestion would be if you are constantly walking by your bar cart or opening your fridge and seeing your cans, you might want to approach it like out of sight, out of mind. So you can either, you know, put it away in another cabinet or another closet or another something to enjoy in a later month. But the first and foremost, I think out of sight, out of mind works. So you can, you know, store it away, you can give it to a friend or you can, you kind of toss it down the drain. I know that's a very controversial option. So that would be number one. And then second, I would do what I did and recruit a friend for support. I find that 
you know, my boyfriend has done dry January with me for two years and having somebody to plan activities with and who understands like the highs and lows and you can confide in and talk to is really helpful. And if you want to make it competitive or you want to feel even more motivated, then you can also make a bet with a friend like I did the first year and, you know, have a prize and have something to look forward to at the end. Like it doesn't have to be a dinner, but you can still you know, reward yourself at the end. And again, like communicating with each other and having somebody in it with you, I think is really helpful. And you can do that, you know, virtually or phone or text, whatever it is. So I think those two are like, you know, very key, especially during COVID. So if I'm going to be honest slash play the devil's advocate, Mm -hmm. drinking has not been, well, not devil's advocate, I guess maybe just showing an alternative perspective. Drinking for me is not something that I'm an extremist when it comes to that. Like I'm either like going out and having dinner and a glass of wine at dinner, or I will like go out and have fun. And like, you'll find me at a pizza shop at like five in the morning type vibes. Like I'm one spectrum or the other. Like I was never that person in college who like people would be like, Oh, let's go bar hopping tonight. Like I've never done that. Like it was not something that I, and maybe that speaks to like me being in New York during, during my college years. But for me, not drinking isn't a challenge for me. Like walking by the fridge and seeing alcohol in there isn't something where I'm like, oh, gotta have a drink. So I wonder what your best insight is for someone who, or maybe what your best pitch is for someone who isn't that big of a drinker, but has it mildly and how you think dry January could be most impactful for them or someone like me. To your point about, you know, going to dinner and I feel like it's more social for you, right? Like, yes, a hundred percent. And I think in those instances, whether you're doing like Zoom happy hours on a regular basis or if you're safely seeing your friends and social distancing, but you know, they're still popping a bottle of wine in your presence. I think that you can use alternate beverages that kind of simulate the alcoholic version. And, you know, whether that's literally just keeping your hands occupied and opting for like tea or seltzer or something that you drink on a regular basis that works. Or now there's so many restaurants that offer non-alcoholic beverages, like on their cocktail menus, including like, you know, other packaged goods. Like there are non-alcoholic wines, there are non-alcoholic beers, there are non-alcoholic cocktails that you can order online and be prepared, or you can order while you're out. And you can make them at home too. There are so many recipes online. If you're like really creative and you have the patience to do so, you can just become your own bartender. So I really feel like if it's something in a social situation where you feel like a little bit awkward and you still want to, you know, be social and like have something to hold and have something to sip, those are definitely really good options. I love that you're saying this because I did a cleanse maybe three, actually way longer than three years ago. I'm like aging myself now when I was in college and you know, you had to take out all the good stuff, no bread, no sugar, no soy, like all those things. And alcohol and coffee was a really big one. Mm-hmm. And I was in college when I did this. So it, it, it was a 28 day challenge and it really impacted my life. I remember feeling really weird when I would join my friends out and it really made me realize how much of our social interactions are around food and drink. Like anytime you want to see a friend, it's let's go get a meal, let's go get a coffee or let's have drinks tonight. 
I've since then I've always tried to find ways to engage with friends in a different way. Even though I love sharing a meal with friends, like I think food and drinks bring, bring people together. It's always been this really strange thing to me that it always has to do with that. Like all of our social plans are around drinking. I agree with you. I mean, if you think about it, every, or I should say most, like birthdays, like, you know, things that you're celebrating, like graduation, birthdays, baby showers, sporting events, like all of these really, you know, fun and engaging times, they all are accompanied with alcohol. And that's okay. But like, also, there should be a time where like, maybe it doesn't have to always involve, you know, a glass of champagne or a tequila soda or a beer or whatever. And to your point, I feel like, you know, during my dry months, it really opened my eyes to how repetitive a lot of my plans with like my friends were and dates too. I mean, every date was like, let's grab a drink or like, let's sit dinner. And that's really great too. But like, there was always like a bottle of wine involved or whatever it would be. And I felt like the second that I was like, I'm doing dry January, dates became infinitely cooler. Like there were so many awesome activities and places that I had never even been in New York. Like it was just so much more fun. And I just felt like it was more engaging too, because instead of sitting in front of somebody and doing the typical, like, okay, hi, like, what do you do? Where are you from? Of siblings. It was like, okay, I can't ice skate. Like I'm going to fall over, but like, this is fun and cute. And like, you can also, you know, be more observant of the people around you and kind of interact on like a, on a bigger scale. What's your biggest piece of advice for finding a healthy medium in all of this? In life. <laughs> I think that, you know, I, I really feel as though a lot of my friends and people that I talk to have been increasing their consumption during the pandemic. And I think that, you know, if you're taking on dry January for the first time or you're simply just kind of questioning the level of how much you're consuming as we're nearing towards the new year, I would say like, 100% you should try dry January and take it day by day. And in the end, you know, on February 1st, you can choose to resume again and go back to your normal self, or maybe you'll have find, found a different perspective. But I really feel like for me, dry January really opened my eyes and it's created more of a balance in my lifestyle in general. So I think that take it a day of time, you know, it's not something that you have to commit to for the rest of your life. Of course, if you really want to, you absolutely can. But, you know, see what it does for you. I really don't think there are any downsides. I mean, you know, we talked about a lot of physical and mental benefits and, and even the financial aspect of it. There's nothing to lose. Totally. Besides maybe a few random drunk nights. Yeah, and maybe, <laughs> and you know what? You might lose a few pounds if that's your goal as well. Because Drinks are so calorie dense too. So like totally. Those were some of the scariest stats that I saw in your book. I was like, oh my God. I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. It's it's quite overwhelming when you look at it from a nutrition perspective. Totally. Mm-hmm. So the book is now out. Where can everybody find it and where can we follow you? Um, I highly suggest that you shop local so you can buy my book at Strand Bookstore in New York City. Um, other than that, you can purchase at Barnes & Noble, Target, Amazon.com, and really everywhere that books are sold. You can find me on Instagram at HillaryWritesNY. What is your goal for this dry January? 
this dry January, I want to be as much of a resource as possible to everyone and anyone. So, you know, I don't think that it'll be as much of a challenge for me. It's kind of smooth sailing from here on out. But I am absolutely so excited for everyone who's trying it for the first time or maybe trying it for the second time. And I'm here to answer any questions. So people, I really encourage everyone, you can DM me on Instagram, you can email me, you can send smoke signals, but please don't light anything on fire. Um, I mean, <laughs> if you want to get in touch, like I'm here for it. And I really encourage you, I will be your cheerleader. So I love it. Thank you so much for coming on and congratulations about the book. We are so excited to read it. I'm so excited for everybody listening right now to get their hands on it and give it a try too. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week.